God, grant us by your spirit, Lord, fresh hearts and fresh ears to hear your word. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that we might know more deeply the hope to which we've been called, that we might embrace, uh, that we might more greatly embrace the inheritance that you have for us and that we might more deeply grasp, understand, and walk in the power you have toward us. We thank you for all of this today in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that with me, would you say amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you please to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 6 now, and a couple of things by way of reminder. I I know that some of you probably have remember this, but we've been out for a couple of weeks. So let me just remind us that the book of Matthew is really written as a a discipleship manual. Uh, It was a part of the catechism of the very, very first first early believers, part of their first uh, way of teaching people what it meant to follow Jesus. So the whole text calls the reader to follow Jesus. To follow means to be his disciple. So this book tells us how. And we have arrived now in the sixth chapter. We are still sort of right in the middle of what is famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And and in this, this bunch of red ink in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, there are a lot of passages that are so familiar to people so saturated in our culture that they so ubiquitous that they become almost uh, 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 opaque so they're so familiar that people almost don't even recognize their significance anymore like well we sang this morning that uh, the the uh, the our father and we and we call it the our father or the lord's prayer if i ask almost anybody to say it in any given stadium most of them would say it and probably in the king james and they've never even if they've never cracked open the king james bible they know they're supposed to say they don't even they're just saying stuff because it's so it's so saturated in our in a in a in a even though there's people argue we're in a post Christian culture I don't think so but still it's so saturated the mentality it's so familiar that the significance begins to ebb it loses the shine in our imagination so part of the effort for us as we come back to this passage is not only to study it but to go but to study it I don't want to be vulgar here but to study it but first go and shake off that 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 uh, the hip the hypnosis of familiar and see just how exceedingly significant these words are so only the holy spirit can help us do that it's not going to be my sense of humor or personality that does it so let's ask for his help and believe that god's going to help us see something really significant because these things that we will see particularly i mean all of it's been great and i I suppose when i'm done with this i'm going to say and look at the next part it's even greater but this part that we're in now we're talking this is the lord teaching his disciples about prayer Again, some of the most familiar, but we could argue, Cece, we love you, we bless you in Jesus' name. We could argue this may be some of the most significant stuff. So who's ready to tune in and listen? Okay, all right, good. There's, there's our, our, our stump speech for that. 
So here we are in uh, chapter 6 where Jesus has been teaching. Now, Matthew organizes this. The first part of chapter 6, we recognize that Jesus has begun a new teaching section on practicing righteousness. So we saw that righteousness doesn't exist in a vacuum as just a theory. Righteousness is something that you do. Your righteousness is as righteousness does. We practice righteousness. Faith works. We do stuff. Everybody said amen. amen. Okay. So we, we understand that. We've established that. We do righteousness not for the attention or the approval or the applause of people around us, but we do righteousness, we practice righteousness for the applause of heaven, for God's eager praise, not his reluctant praise. He's not arms crossed, harumphing us. But he, in God, but God's eager enthusiasm, we, we live out righteously for in the, the, the audience of our Heavenly Father for His eager enthusiasm. What a way to live. Amen. Now, so then in verse 2, Jesus exemplifies how that righteousness can be lived out. And we remember that the Jews had three pillars of piety, okay? That they, they practice giving, praying, and fasting. So, and Jesus uses these three pillars to exemplify the principle. But today, speaking to his disciples. They would, remember, if we're reading the words in red, primarily in the Sermon on the Mount, he has called his disciples. He's teaching you and me about what it means to follow him. And speaking to his disciples, beginning in verse 5, all the way kind of through verse 14 or so, he begins to teach us how disciples pray. Would you all say how disciples pray? Okay. So we'll, we'll, we are going to introduce that today just by looking at verses 5 and 6. And we're going to stay with the main idea that we will see that when we pray, that ultimately we pray for our Father's pleasure and His reward. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 together. Verse 5, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stay. It's, it's okay to. That's how he said it. I don't know if you've heard that. There's an, there's an audio version. <laughs> when you pray, you are not to be like the For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they can they may be seen by men truly i tell you they have their reward in full remember that jesus is using a phrase that's very old but we use it similarly today it's that statement paid in full that if you have if you are shooting for men's praise you may get it no guarantee you may get it but that's all you'll get that God, there is no further obligation from heaven to respond if you're shooting for the praise of men. You've been paid in full. But, verse 6, but you, when you pray, don't underestimate the specificity here, but you, say me, but you, when you pray. Now, I know we're not supposed to do the finger pointing in our nonverbal communications because it makes people feel nervous, but this is Jesus pointing his very happy, loving finger at you. Okay? And it's meaning, me pray? Uh-huh. We'll get to that. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close 
your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, again, thank you, Lord, for this. Help us to hear it. Help us to feel it. Let's consider the first part then, just, be, just five and six, of how disciples pray. So it begins in verse five. Jesus says, when you pray. Everybody say it out loud. When you pray. That means that disciples pray. That's, you can't miss that. The first, the first principle is disciples pray. Jews, especially here, the, the context in the first, the first century Judaism or uh, Second Temple Judaism, but first, first century Judaism, they prayed. Jews prayed. They prayed a lot. They prayed at least. They, they recorded it. Dr. Zeph would know some of this stuff. They had specific prayers. They prayed the Shema. They did things three times a day at a minimum. They, were, they prayed. They prayed a lot. So what, what you, why are you saying that, Dab? Well, because... Jesus isn't saying when you pray like, he's not saying, it's about time you guys started praying. He's talking to people who already practiced prayer. Prayer was, was, a, was a deep, deeply rooted, established part of their life. What he's correcting, what he's addressing is their motivation in prayer. He's correcting and addressing their focus in prayer and their expectation. Here's the the rub, maybe. You see, the, 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 the prayer life of the average Western Christian actually pales miserably in comparison to the prayer life of the first century Palestinian. <laughs> so he's saying when you pray like, well, of course you're praying. <laughs> I just, he may have need to be modified that when he's talking to some, you know, Americans. He might say, when you pray, whenever you get around to it, you know, whenever that, whenever that time of year comes up for you. <laughs> Good morning. The prayer life of the average Western Christian just does not reflect the prayer life of the first century, of first century Judaism, let alone the early church. Disciples of Jesus must be people who pray. Disciples of Jesus must pray. Disciple means follower, right? And who are we following? A room full of geniuses. And here's the deal. Jesus prayed. The Son of God prayed. He didn't pray because he was afraid of what wasn't going to happen. He, wasn't, he didn't pray because he was afraid of God's, you know, being angry with him. He, wasn't, he certainly didn't pray in order to, you know, to stamp his time card with God to make sure he stayed in, you know, good graces. But he, for some reason or another, which we, all, we, we, can, we can explore and discover and enjoy, Jesus knew that it was valuable and necessary, powerful, helpful, wonderful to pray. And he prayed a lot. So the one that we followed, who arguably we could say needed God or needed heaven a little bit less than we do, prayed a lot. The one that we followed prayed so much that that was the one thing that his disciples said, Lord, teach us to do that. 
He did a lot of stuff, and they just sort of imitated him. But when it came to praying, they specifically said in Luke 11, 1, they said, Lord, uh, would you, John taught, listen, John taught his disciples to pray. Would you teach us to pray? Disciples pray. Discipleship really is all you can, you can say. It, it, it must be characterized by prayer and learning to pray. We could give you some examples of Jesus' prayer life. I think you know that, that he did. Luke, Luke 3.21, uh, that his, his baptism as the, the as heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit came upon him, that was as he was praying. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, uh, Luke says that Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. He prayed often. And he did it in, intentionally. He found a place to go and pray. Matthew 14, 23, he himself went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And But look at Luke 9, 29. You know, I'll read it to you, but you can write it down. Listen to this. And while he was praying, someone say while he was praying. While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. Is it a little bit too sermonic, a little bit too preachy to say perhaps the best thing you can do for your face is pray? As he was praying, his face changed. If you have a face problem, it's not, a, it's not unusual. The first, the, you know, the first guy that this happened to was Moses. He went up, looked at God. He came down, and his face was so radiant with the presence of God, he wore a veil. Now, Jesus goes to pray, and not just his face changes, his whole body changes. He begins to, he begins to radiate uh, light from his person as he is praying. We might say again that your prayer life may very well be the most fundamentally spiritually formative discipline you can do. If you want to change, pray. All right, well, we'll keep going. All right. It's all right. If you have a specific question or comment, save it for later. All right. Uh, uh, here's the thing. If we aren't praying like Jesus, we aren't following Jesus. What? Well, he's, if we're following him, he prayed a lot. Disciples pray, or they aren't disciples. Jesus expects his followers to pray. He seems to assume it will be a, a pinnacle part of their life, and they did. We, when we follow his disciples into the book of Acts, now, I know originally you say, hey, now, hey, Dad, at first they kind of took naps. I know. I know they took a little bit of a nap in the garden there. But after Pentecost, we see that with the endowment of the Holy Spirit, the church gives herself to prayer. And, and his disciples and the apostles, prayer remains one of their chief commitments. They even prioritize prayer over other leadership responsibilities. They did, and we should. All right. So Jesus says, when you pray, but then here's the corrective. When you pray, don't perform. When you pray, don't perform. Now, what he's referring to then is even though we said that their prayer life was a very important part, it was a substantial part of their life, also 
prayer had become quite formalized and quite public. It was formal and public. And take it further, because remember there we said there were three pillars of piety. Because prayer was such an honorable or perceived as such an honorable thing, if you wanted to be perceived or applauded or praised as honorable, then you would do what? Pray and make sure that people saw you. Right? Because, oh, prayer, that's a big deal. Well, if it's a big deal and I want, and I, I, I want to be perceived as a big deal, then I'm going to pray out loud. And so they would. There was a, a practice. Again, whether or not anybody actually, because Jesus is sort of, you know, jiving him a little bit, whether or not, kind of like the giving thing, there's no historical record of anybody actually blowing a trumpet. I'm about to give. Mrs. Dav liked the idea that they were carrying balloons over to the offering. And, uh, but, uh, but some sort of thing. And then she wanted me to bring balloons. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. But, uh, uh, but it, there's not necessarily a record of them standing on the street corners and praying per se, but Jesus is, he's, He's making fun of the idea of praying in such a way as to get attention from other people. And again, Jesus says, if you practice this righteousness, if you do this for the attention of others and the honor you'll gain from other people, you very well may gain honor from them, but that will be the extent of how effective your prayer was. So he says, don't be like those who pretend. He says the hypocrites. That's that word actor, those who pretend. Don't be like those who pretend. When you pray, don't perform. Just say that out loud with me, will you? When you pray, don't perform. This really should help us. It should help a lot of people. This, this next, this next uh, couple of minutes should be very, should be very pivotal, pivotal in all of our lives, if we think about it. Number one. Uh, and this is great. This is historical stuff here. Don't preach while you're praying. Now you're thinking, hey, what do you mean, Dav? You're the preacher here. Oh, I know. But a lot of times whenever someone gets the opportunity to pray out loud, they, get, they, they also bring out a sermon outline. <laughs> Stop that. Don't preach while you're praying. Also, don't make announcements while you're praying. Now, Lord, you know, we have a thing today at 3 o'clock with the family. And I, no, listen, don't, you're talking to people but with your eyes closed. Don't talk to people with your eyes closed, and I know who you're talking about. Yes, I do, because you're talking about anyway. anyway yeah, but not me, somebody else. I know who you're talking about. Little, little, little slice, little wedge. Anyway, you, when you pray to perform, think about it. If you're talking to people but you're closing your eyes, you're praying to perform. Don't talk to people, and don't talk to yourself. Don't say, oh, don't start murmuring. Don't say, I'm just going to murmur with my eyes closed. No, that's still bad. You're still complaining. Just because you're complaining with your eyes closed, you're not praying. Don't talk to yourself and call it prayer. Don't don't talk to others with your eyes closed and call it prayer. Here's the deal. This is so simple. When you pray... It is for a heavenly audience and not a human audience. When you pray, it is not for human ears, but for heaven's eyes. Now, if you'll let that just sink into you, even if it seems so simple, consider its significance. When you are praying, it is not, not, not for 
a human audience, but for heaven. That should change everything. That should eliminate, eliminate that question that so many people bring with them to prayer or praise or anything else, and that is the what will people think question. Well, I'm afraid to pray. A lot of times people say, well, I don't want to pray in public, or I don't want to pray at a prayer meeting, or I don't want to you know, even pray in a small group, because the main question usually is, if I don't pray real good, what will people think? And if that is a stumbling block question, then we need to let this instruction of Jesus set us free. Because that, you, that, that question needs to be removed from all of our cognitive process. What will people think? You're not talking to people. You're not talking to them. You know what it also does? It, it also, I was, I was listening and, and worshiping with you guys as we began the service, and, and I'm, I'm listening to the worship at Heritage and its, and its vibrancy and its, and its uh, authenticity and, and, uh, and people sometimes just losing themselves in, in joyful expressions and shouts. And I'm thinking, yeah. And there, are, there might be some times that some folks would come into a meeting like that and say, well, this is a little excessive. I mean. A little bit of enth- there's a little bit of enthusiasm and authenticity in here. That's because, hopefully, we are cultivating an audience. We are on awareness that we are doing this for an heavenly audience. And if we get together and we think, heaven is listening. Heaven is listening to me. My Father is listening to me. That will affect how I respond. And the idea of what will people think, I'm not, I don't, I don't care. Now, but the, the other side of that also is helpful because there's some of you in the room that's like, oh, no, he just gave license to the crazies. <laughs> no, it actually governs the crazies too because the crazies are usually only crazies because they're hoping that someone will see the poetry of their motion or appreciate the volume of their voice. I'm going to be, I, 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 people are going to really think I'm something. That's the deal. But if you, if you just eliminate, repent of what will people think, both well, either what will people think or what will people think, if you, if, you re- if you repent of both of those, then it enables you to be respectful and kind and honorable and passionate and vibrant. It, allow, it enables you to pray like a disciple or sing like one or worship like one. Slow down, believe this. That's why he says, don't pretend, don't perform. This is it. How do, we, how do disciples pray? Pray to your Father. This is the thing that if we'll just let this get down in there, it'll change us, it'll transform us. Pray to your Heavenly Father. How? With two words, with focus and with expectancy or expectation. With focus and expectation. By focus, this is where he says, go into your inner room and close the door. Now, most of the, the homes in first century Palestine wouldn't have had, like, a, a closet inside. What, what he means is he's, he's, he's speaking more figuratively than literal. But he's literally saying, can just absolutely separate yourself from an awareness of other people. This is about focus, not about, ooh, I need to find a closet. You can have a prayer closet, a prayer shawl. I don't care if it's under your chair. Pray somewhere. Go, he says, go somewhere. This has to do with focus. This has to do with being aware that prayer is me 
and God. Even even if there's others around me, I pray with an awareness of God's saturating and comprehensive presence. And I pray on purpose, real with on purpose to a real person. I pray on purpose to a real person. I'm going to say it a third time. I pray on purpose to a real person. Again, so simple. But if you let that sink in, it should revolutionize and vitalize your prayer life. I pray on purpose to a real person. The God of the cosmos is listening. The God of the cosmos, the creator of the cosmos, who Jesus calls my heavenly father, When I come to prayer, I have his attention. That should mess you up. That should change how you approach prayer. That you should never be able to go, give some crazy speech or announcements or something silly. Or hope that people hear you or worry about whether people are going to know. It brings such a, a faith to the moment, doesn't it? The God of the cosmos, my heavenly Father, is actually listening to me. Another thing about Jesus saying, you know, go to an inner room or close the door behind you, not only is that making sure that you have directed your awareness to God's presence, I think it's a strong endorsement here for creating a sacred space and time. You can, of course, as believers, you, you know, because the contrast is they love to pray in the synagogues. Jesus says, go into your home. That would not at the time have been considered a sacred space. The storage closet in your house would not at that time have been considered a sacred space. But Jesus is essentially telling us any space that you say, I'm going to meet God here becomes a sacred space. It's an endorsement, in fact, for you you and I. Again, I nobody needs to be overly religious here, but uh, there, there is a lot to be said that you and I should consider having, making a consistent, sacred space and time for prayer. I don't know a lot of people who have developed a robust and, and, and vibrant prayer life that, that, uh, that haven't done so by saying, this is, I'm going to have a specific place or a time. Not that you can't pray anywhere and everywhere all the time, but there's a place and a time that you set aside to meet with God. Yes, he's with you all the time, but this is about something, this is about being intentional and focused. It's a, it's a very, very good habit. Most importantly, pray with reverent focus. You are talking, once again, you are talking to the God of the cosmos who is your heavenly And if you're doing that, then not only should you pray with focus, but here's the deal. You should pray with great expectation. Someone say great expectation. And I'm not making that up. That's what Jesus says. Pray to your heavenly Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Would you say will reward you? There it is. Will reward you. We pray... We pray expecting, disciples pray expecting the response and reward of our Heavenly Father. Prayer that honors God. 
prayer that honors God is prayer that believes he is listening and prayer that expects him to respond. If you want to honor God, if you want to pray in a way that pleases God, pray believing that he is not only listening, but that he is eager to respond. God likes that praying. He does? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11.6 says that, we, that if we want to please God, we must believe that he rewards those who seek him. How you pray reveals what you believe about God. Do you believe that God is big? Do you believe that he is good, that he is present, that he is listening, that he is willing? Your prayer life will reveal that. If you believe that he is disinterested, if you believe that you are overlooked, if you you don't even believe prayer works, your prayer life will reveal that. You will pray more boldly and more often the more deeply you believe that God is good, that he is present, that he is listening and eager to respond. But don't wait. Don't wait for your believometer to to get up to a certain place before you start praying. Because... Praying boldly and fervently will also stir and strengthen your faith. Prayer and faith work together. They nourish one another. They benefit one another. Every single person who has ever been a great person of faith has also been a person of great prayer. Without fail. Every single person who has ever been a person of great faith has also been a person of great prayer. And every person who has been a person of great prayer, ha, coincidentally, has also been a person of great faith. These things work together. So how do disciples pray? 1032, got to wrap it up. How do disciples pray? Gotcha. How do disciples pray? Well, disciples do not say prayers. They pray. They don't say prayers. They don't, they don't, they are devoted. They don't do devotions. Okay? They don't just say prayers. They pray. They, to say a prayer means I'm, I'm going I'm to recite something or do something or go through the motions, either for my own benefit or for the imagined benefit of those around me. But they, they pray to their heavenly Father. How do disciples pray? Those who pray as if it were a performance for people reject the reward of their father who sees in secret. Those who spend little time in prayer demonstrate small confidence in a God who answers prayer. But those who believe deeply pray boldly. And those who pray boldly strengthen and deepen their faith. Disciples pray. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. 
I think we should pray together as we close today, don't you? Let's just practice this. We're all in the same room right now, but speaking symbolically, let's stand together, will you? I want you, to, I want you just to, to lean into a, a focused awareness of the presence of God. lean right in. Just lean in right into his presence. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's, and he's saying, you're going to pray to your heavenly father. The only hiccup might be this. You might, you might have come this morning and you don't have confidence that you are in relationship with your heavenly father. You might have come this morning and just kind of for whatever reason, you were invited or you're hungry or, or you're interested, but there might be a, just a real burning in your heart right now that says, I don't know. I don't know that I'm in right relationship with God. I don't know if, if I even pray, will he hear me? I don't know if he's upset with me. The Bible says in the book of John that as many as, would be, as believe on Jesus Christ, as many as receive him, to be their Lord, that to those people, he gives the right to be called children of God. So if you say, I, don't, I, want, I, I need to have confidence that God is my Father, that I, that I have that relationship with God, that, it's, that, that I am right in right relationship with Him, here's how you do that. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior this Receive Him even right now. Uh, anything like this, Lord, I repent of my sin, all of it. I turn away from living my own life my own way. I acknowledge, I repent of my sin, and I ask you to save me from it. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Come and live in me by your Spirit and make me your child. That is a prayer that heaven will always hear. oh no I, I didn't hear what he said I gotta get those words right no you don't you just need to believe that now for all of us just lean in I would encourage you to close your eyes why close your eyes because it's the closest thing we can do to closing a door behind us yeah. we close the, the door of distraction and other things around us we come right into our that private moment with God. Just give a moment to consider it. The God of the cosmos, your heavenly Father, you have his attention. You have his attention. What will you say? What will you say today? What would you say to him? What would you ask of him?